Well, this is the first Sunday of 2013, and I want to put forth a challenge to Soma Church. Um, this is something that I, I believe will really change our lives if we really do accept the challenge. And I want to start by asking 10 questions, okay? And I want you to give just a hearty uh, yes or a hearty no, just a big, you know. And I want to hear you. I don't want it to be like, yeah, or no. I want to hear a little something. I want to feel, I want to see the chandelier shake. Okay, people? I'm just kidding. Don't scream. Um, I'm going to ask you 10 questions. You ready? You just give a yes or a no to the answer to these questions. Do you believe that you should have no other gods before God? Yes. Sweet. That was when I was sweating. No, I'm kidding. Do you believe that you should not make for yourselves idols? Do you believe that you should not take the, Lord's na- uh, the Lord God's name in vain? Yes. Okay. Do you believe that you should honor your father and mother? Yes. Do you believe that you should not murder? Yes. Okay, you're starting to wane here. Come on. <laughs> Do you believe that you should not commit adultery? Do you believe that you should not steal? Yes. Do you believe that you should not bear false witness against your neighbor? Yes. In other words, testify falsely against your neighbor. Yes. Do you believe that you should not covet anything that doesn't belong to you, that belongs to someone else? Yes. Okay. I got one more for you. Do you believe that you should remember to observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy? Yes. i got to be honest, that was a little louder than I thought it might be on that one. If you know anything about the Ten Commandments, that was obviously the questions I was asking you based upon the Ten Commandments. If you know anything about the commandments, how many of you were raised with the Ten Commandments hanging on your wall at school? Do you guys remember that? So, If you're older, you remember that it was in every classroom and maybe even sometimes down the hall. If you're familiar with the Ten Commandments, you know that I asked you those questions a little bit out of order, right? Because the Sabbath day being kept holy is actually commandment number four. Um, I'll be honest, what I was expecting on that one was a little bit lower of a yes, a little bit quieter of of a yes, or at least a yes with a grimace. And that's because the Sabbath is something that we really do not think about much. Not only do we not think about it, we barely uh, even know what, it, what it's about. But it is one of the Ten Commandments. Um, I was thinking about um, um, just this past week how important it is, even when Tabitha was sharing with me about how she got that in a Sabbath moment, in a time of just sitting back, resting, and... Uh, and, and letting the Lord speak to her. Um, it's hard to give an enthusiastic yes to the fourth commandment because it's not been something that we have kept going in our culture. I can remember Sundays, I grew up in Lindell, Sundays shut down. You, you know what I mean? You go out to do something in Lindell, ain't nothing going on because everybody shut down every business, every grocery store. I mean, everything was just shut down. And so the Sabbath day for our culture... Even, even in the Christian culture, you know, Tyler, Lindell, East Texas, 
kind of a Christian culture is kind of shut down. Even the Christian culture is not really um, doing much with the Sabbath anymore. It's kind of been dumbed down. The Sabbath has been dumbed down to being related only to church. Hey, man, do you, do you keep the Sabbath? Oh, man, every Sunday from 1030 to 12. I mean, there's people that really think that. Oh, man, I got, I mean, it's my Sabbath day. It's the day that I go to church. And that's really the extent of where people are at. But listen, if God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, like it says in Hebrews 13, 8, if he is unchanging, if he doesn't change, and we believe that having idols, and we believe that bearing false witness is offensive to him, then, then why wouldn't we also practice the Sabbath? You hear what I'm saying? These are very strong statements, but it's, it's true. I mean, maybe it's just that we just don't understand how important it is. And so, um, can I give you two ways to look at the Sabbath this morning? Can I give you two ways to look at the Sabbath? If you're writing things down, write these down. We're going to look at the Sabbath. I heard someone recently say, um, it was a pastor who was talking about the Sabbath, and he was talking about how... Um, as a pastor, he works weekends, you know, and so Sundays don't work as a Sabbath for him, and neither do sat- Saturdays because he's got a big church. And they preach on Saturdays too. And he was talking about how um, um, one day a week is his is his day off, but the other is like his Sabbath. And so on a day off, it's a day off, but this is a Sabbath where he just chooses to really rest and really do nothing. And he was telling a story about how a staff member. Um, uh, called him and said, hey, man, could you, could you do something um, for us? We need you to do something this, uh, today just to get it done before Wednesday. And he's like, why don't you just ask me to kill somebody? <laughs> so why don't you just ask me to commit adultery? It's like, what are you talking about? This is my Sabbath. You know this is my Sabbath. And so he's, he takes it, I mean, really, really um, serious. Why don't you just ask me to kill somebody? Anyway, the first, the first thing I want you to look at the Sabbath as, and there's two ways. We're going to make it very simple this morning, is that this. Sabbath is from God. Write that down. Sabbath is from God. Sabbath is from God. If I didn't love God, and if I didn't want to serve God, and if I didn't want to be with God forever in heaven, I would probably be more apt to engage in some of the sins, just to be honest with you, that are, in, that are spelled out in the Ten Commandments. If I didn't love the Lord and want to serve Him, I would probably be involved in much more of those sins, but I do love Him. And I do want to serve Him. And I do want to be with Him forever in heaven. And so I try not to steal. <laughs> you know? I try not to, um, to want the things that other people have. I try not to murder people. You know what I mean? You laugh, but you know what I'm talking about. It's sometimes you're like, you just want to kill somebody. It's like, I just want to kill you. You're so annoying. You know, but you, you know, because you love the Lord. But think about that. Sabbath is from God. And because we love Him, we keep the other commandments. We want to please Him. But this is one that we kind of tend to forget about. Um, I say that because I am not good at keeping the Sabbath. I'm not good at resting. And this is what's going to hit probably a lot of us this morning. I'm terrible at it. And I try to chalk it up to my personality. I don't think you can do that. You know? You can't chalk not resting up to your parents. Well, I just have so much energy. Well, that's fine. 
shake while you're sitting still in your chair. <laughs> you know what I mean? I have done that before, you know? So I'm just being honest with you. I struggle with that, and so this is something that the Lord is really teaching me, showing me, and challenging me over this next year is the idea of rest. In fact, go ahead and look at Exodus 16. This is the first mention of Sabbath. Exodus 16. And we're going to look at a little bit more of it now, but I just want to show you the main statement. Exodus 16, verse 23. And Moses was talking to the people of Israel, and he said, This is what the Lord meant. Tomorrow is a Sabbath observance, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. And I want to pause right there. I want to give you the definition of those two words. Most of us know what Sabbath means. Sabbath just means rest. It can be used even to mean complete rest, to, to be completely still, to completely do absolutely nothing. Okay, But Sabbath means rest. Okay, So it says, tomorrow is a Sabbath observance. In other words, tomorrow we're going to rest. Tomorrow we're going to take a break. Okay, But look what he goes on to say. This is a holy Sabbath to the Lord. And so we know, most of us know what the word holy means. It means to be consecrated. It means to be set apart. It means to be sanctified. It actually means even to be prepared. There's, there's the, the idea of being prepared in that word um, um, holy. And so when you look at that, he says, tomorrow is a Sabbath day. Tomorrow is a rest day. Tomorrow is a day of rest that is set apart to the Lord. In other words, the Sabbath is from God. I am giving you this. It is from me. We're going to talk more about that particular verse in a second, but Sabbath is from God. And I want you to write a couple things down under that. Sabbath is a commandment to the believers. Write that down and go ahead and turn to Exodus 20. And I'm going to read a lot of scripture today because these are scriptures that we don't really read a whole lot of. Exodus chapter 20, a commandment to the believer. It's from God as a commandment to the believer. Exodus chapter 20. And this is where we find the Ten Commandments. And I'm going to skip on down to verse 8 where it starts out the Fourth Commandment. You should be there already because we were close already. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male or your female servant, or your cattle, or your sojourner who stays with you. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord has blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. And this is the very next time that God mentions the Sabbath. We see it over here in Exodus 16. And then we see it right here. This is the next time that he mentions it in the Ten Commandments. And I want you to notice something. If you've ever read the Ten Commandments, it breezes through the first few. It pauses on the fourth. And there's a lot of verbiage surrounding that fourth commandment about the Sabbath day and keeping it holy. It's almost like he's, it's not that he's saying that it's more important, but he is bringing more attention to it. And there's probably all kinds of reasons that we don't have all kinds of time this morning to go into. But you have to notice that there is more attention and more detail given to this commandment than there is any other. You know, in fact, the, the next one that he gives the most attention to would be do not covet your neighbor's stuff. But we're not preaching that sermon this morning. So let's move on. Okay, so listen, um, 
he gives a little more attention to it, a little more detail. And I think it's because God was serious about this commandment. He's serious about the Sabbath. He's serious about Sabbath. Everybody, just, just to make sure you're with me, say, God is serious about Sabbath. God is serious about Sabbath. He is serious. In fact, I want to show you something in Numbers real quick. Maybe something you've never read. Turn to Numbers 15. I told you we were going to read quite a bit of Scripture this morning. Numbers 15. It's easier for me because I have mine marked. You don't have yours marked, so I'm willing to be patient. Okay, the heading over this section is Sabbath breaking punished. Well, that doesn't sound good, (laughs) but I'm going to read it to you. Now, while the sons of Israel were in the wilderness, they found a man gathering wood on the Sabbath day. Those who found him gathering wood brought him to Moses and Aaron and to all the congregation, and they put him in custody, like they took charge of him, because it had not been declared what should be done to him. Then the Lord said to Moses, Okay, now listen, what's going on here is they found this guy working on the Sabbath, but it says it hadn't been spoken yet. What's supposed to happen to somebody like this that's doing something like this on the Sabbath? And so Moses is like, dude, what are we supposed to do? So he asked God. Then the Lord said to Moses, the man shall surely be put to death. Have you ever read that? All the congregation shall stone him with stones outside the camp. So all the congregation brought him outside the camp and stoned him to death with stones, just as the Lord had commanded Moses. I'm going to read a little bit more just because. The Lord also spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the sons of Israel and tell them that they shall make for themselves tassels on the corners of their garments throughout their generations, that they shall put on on each according to the, uh, on the corner of their cord of blue... And it shall be a tassel for you to look at. Now listen. It shall be a tassel for you to look at and remember all the commandments of the Lord so as to do them and not follow after your own heart, your own eyes, after which you have played the the harlot, so that you may remember to do all my commandments and be holy to your God. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt to be your God. I am the Lord God. And so right here he's saying, listen, I'm, you're going to put a little tassel on you to remember. And remember in the, in the Ten Commandments, he says, remember the Sabbath day and to keep it holy. So he gave them something to remember that by. And not just that one, all of the commandments. What we tend to do is say, oh man, I'm not going to murder. I'm not going to commit adultery. I'm not going to covet people's stuff. I'm not going to, you know dishonor my parents, although that was when you guys started getting quiet out here. I don't know if something was going on over the holidays or what, but that's when you guys started getting kind of quiet out here. But do you hear what I'm saying? What we tend to do is we take the Ten Commandments and like, oh, yeah, man, except for the fourth. We're willing not to go ahead and kill that person that we're so frustrated with, but when we're exhausted, we won't take a break. Can I get a show of hands? Am I the only one? And I think that's what God is saying there. It's not just about loving the Lord your God with all your heart, not making idols. He has a whole list of things that he feels and deems very important. And rest is one of those things that he put in the commandment. And for us to not understand that he is serious is really to miss something great. God is serious about the Sabbath because he's serious about you. He's serious about the Sabbath because he knows what it's for in your life. It's not a time out. 
If you felt like keeping Sabbath or resting is like a timeout, man, we got to change that. For me, that's what it feels like. What do you mean I got to stop? I got plenty more energy. But the truth is I don't. I'm kind of really deceiving myself, and we'll get into that in a second. So it's a commandment to the believer, but it's also a testimony to the unbeliever. I don't know if you've ever thought about this. And we talk a lot about um, the Jewish people and their culture and how the Old Testament relates to the, or points to the New Testament and all that kind of stuff, how it's intertwined. And we've, we've talked about this before, but I want to reiterate that a, a Sabbath is a testimony to the unbeliever. In fact, go ahead and turn to Exodus 31. You shouldn't be too far. Exodus 31. This right here, and we'll start in verse 12, Exodus 31, starting in verse 12. The heading over this in my Bible says, the sign of the Sabbath. Okay? This is the sign of the Sabbath. It says, The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, But as for you, speak to the sons of Israel, saying, You shall surely observe my Sabbaths. For this is a sign between me and you throughout your generation, that you may know that I am the Lord who sanctifies you. Therefore, you are to observe the Sabbath, for it is holy to you. So this is another place where he's saying the Sabbath is important. It's important for me, and it's important for you, and it is a sign. Therefore, you to observe the Sabbath. It is holy to you. Everyone who profanes it, it shall surely be, uh, they should surely be put to death. For whoever does any work on it, that person shall be cut off from among his people. For six days, work may be done. But on the seventh day, there is a Sabbath of complete rest, holy to the Lord. Whoever, uh, whoever does any work on the Sabbath shall surely be put to death. So the sons of Israel shall observe the Sabbath to celebrate the Sabbath throughout their generations as a perpetual covenant. In other words, this isn't just for today. I'm telling you, your kids need to do it, your grandkids need to do it, and you need to model it to them. It needs to be perpetual, ongoing. And in verse 17, he says it again. It is a sign between me and and the sons of Israel forever. It is a six days the Lord made the heaven and earth, but on the seventh day he ceased from labor and was refreshed. Now I want to pause on that word sign. It was a sign to Israel, but it was also a sign to the nations. It was a testimony to the nations. See, the other nations didn't do that. No nations took a day off. The nations were pursuing their gods, pursuing their wealth, pursuing their treasures, pursuing their victories, their, all that stuff. They didn't take days off. Israel did. And so you could imagine some Israelite guy running into doing maybe some trading with a Jebusite or something. I don't know. And they're talking and, okay, man, well, I'm just going to bring that by. Thank you for purchasing that from me or whatever. I'm going to bring it by and uh, we can finish the deal on Sunday. And the Israelite might be like, "Uh, can we do it on Monday or Saturday? Well, no, the only day I can do it is Sunday. Uh, I can't do it that day. Why not? Well, it's the Sabbath. What's the Sabbath? Well, um, the Sabbath is the day of rest. You know, God created the heavens and six day, uh, heavens and earth and everything on six days, but on the seventh day, He rested. You know, no, I don't know. Can you tell me about that? You guys see what I'm saying? When you start getting into what the Sabbath is about, you really take it all the way back, if you're willing to take the time, all the way back to Creator God who modeled rest, even Himself. One day, out of six. It is a testimony. It can be a testimony to the nations. It can then, for sure, for us now as believers. I mean, the, the world pursuing their stuff, they're not looking at rest. They're just looking at keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going. 
But if we were people that said, you know what, I can't keep going that day. I've, I've decided to take a day off. I've decided to rest that day. That's the day that I, I keep Sabbath. What, what are you talking about? And then you go in. So not only have you modeled something completely different and contrary to the world, you've also possibly had a, um, uh, the ability to introduce them to Creator God. You hear what I'm saying? So it's a commandment to the believer, but it's a testimony to the, belie- uh, to the unbeliever. And so I know this is kind of harsh stuff. It would be put to death, be put to death. You know, there's really three things that people can be put to death for in the Old Testament. Not keeping the Sabbath, committing adultery, and not obeying your parents. Aren't you glad that one last one's not in effect anymore? You know what I mean? Because I would have been dead ten times over. Um, so, so that's the first thing, you guys. Sabbath is from God. He gave it to us. He gave it to us for a reason. He gave it as a commandment to us. And we're going to talk a little bit more about why, even more specifically, why he gave it to us. But also as a witnessing tool for the nations. Now, the second thing I want to show you is um, that the Sabbath is for us. It's from God, but it's for us. Write that down. I don't know if you ever thought about this, but the Sabbath is a gift from God. God's encouragement for us to take 24 or so hours, set it aside, and not do a thing is a gift. We don't see it as a gift. Why? Because my personality says go, 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 or whatever. But it is a gift from God to sit there uh, it's a gift that, and you can write these two things under this. One, for our provision. You know, in, in Philippians 4.19, most of us are familiar with this, and we quote it all the times, especially when we're having times of need. It says, But my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. My God shall supply all your needs. You know, by God instituting and commanding the commandment, uh, the commandment of keeping the Sabbath, one of the things he's doing is he's making sure that our needs are provided for. His provision comes through the Sabbath. Because when we keep the Sabbath, it helps us to remember that everything that we have comes from God. When we take time to rest, in that moment, unless you're just doing it out of religious rote and rhetoric, When we do it, if we're in the right mindset, it is a reminder that everything I have, everything that I've accomplished, everything that I'm working towards and have done actually comes from the Lord. And so, because what happens is we accomplish things, and I'm the worst at this, and at the end of the day, I think, man, that was awesome. Look what I did. So good. But that's not what the Sabbath is about. And if you never take Sabbath, if you never take time to rest, or you don't do it frequent enough, what can happen is you are not reminded enough that you're not the one accomplishing anything. The Lord is the one who does it. So the Sabbath is for us, for our provision. I want to read the rest of uh, that part in Exodus 16. So go ahead and turn back there real quick. And that's what this was all about in Exodus 16. Go back to Exodus 16. We'll start in verse 22. It says, Now on the sixth day they gathered, and you know, most of us know the story. This is after they had manna, um, from heaven provided for them. And they weren't supposed to... Um, I'll just keep reading. Now, on the sixth day, they gathered twice as much bread, two omers for each one. When all the leaders of the congregation came and told Moses, then he said to them, this is what the Lord meant. Tomorrow is a Sabbath observant, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. Bake what you will bake and boil what you will boil. And all that is left over, put aside to be kept until morning. 
So they put it aside until morning, as Moses had ordered, and it did not become foul, nor was there any worms on it. Because, see, that's what happened up here in verse 17, if you want to backtrack. It says that the sons of Israel did so. They gathered, uh, some gathered much and some gathered little. When they measured it with an omer, he who had gathered much had no excess, and he who had gathered little had no lack. Every man gathered as much as he needed. Moses said to them, let no man leave any of it until morning. He said, don't, don't leave it. Use all this up. Don't save it for tomorrow because God's going to provide fresh manna tomorrow. It says, but they did not listen to Moses and some left part of it until morning and it bred worms and it became foul. And it says that Moses was angry with them. And so that's what he's saying here. Moses said, eat it today for tomorrow is a Sabbath to the Lord. Today you will not find it in the field. He said, they put it aside until morning as Moses had ordered and it did not become foul. You guys, this is huge. Before, where he said, don't gather enough for the next day. Don't, don't hoard it in. Don't get it all in thinking that you're not going to be able to get it um, tomorrow. Rest in me and know I'm providing for you tomorrow. If you do, it's going to rot and worms are going to get in. But this one day, this is one day he says, I want you to gather enough for two days. Gather enough today because tomorrow I don't want you to gather anything. I don't want you to do the work. I don't want you to go out there and, and be working. And what he's doing, he's showing the principle that if you will listen to me, I will provide for you what you can't provide for yourself. And this is a principle that we, uh, we either don't believe or haven't read enough or aren't being taught enough, but we work and work and work because honestly, at the end of the day, we're scared God's not going to provide. That's my issue. Can any of you relate to that? I mean, seriously, am I the only one in the house? It can be a very scary place to be when you don't understand God is your provider, the shepherd who provides. Um, also, the Sabbath is for us, and this is where I want to dig in before we leave. The Sabbath is uh, for us. It's a gift given to us for our protection. When God gave us the Sabbath, he set up some protection parameters from us. If you look at Mark uh, 2 27, you don't have to turn there, but you can write it down as a reference later. This is when Jesus, this is when people were um, arguing with Jesus about somebody doing a little work on the Sabbath. He shouldn't do this. I think it was picking up his mat or doing something on the Sabbath. And Jesus said, hey, listen, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. And I want you to, I want you to hear something, that the Sabbath was made for man. In other words, God created the concept and then created the commandment and gave it to the people as a wonderful gift. And here's why. Jeremiah nails it. Jeremiah 31, 25. He says, For I satisfy the weary. Some of your versions say the exhausted. I satisfy the weary ones and refresh everyone who languishes. That word languishes means to become faint. So I satisfy those who are exhausted and refresh the ones who are about to faint. And one of the ways that he does that is by the Sabbath. It's this idea of refreshing. He refreshes the ones who are about to faint. I say this from time to time, not that I practice it very well, but I do intend to this year. I want you to write this down. Without rest, we are not at our best. And I think that's one of the things that God wants to protect from us is that we're always at our best. When has God ever said, you know, Tony, what I'd like from you today is your second best or your third best. 
if you can just do this thing halfway, I think this is going to be a great day. (laughs) Never. In fact, if anything, it says everything your hand finds to do or your mind or your body or your mouth, anything you find to do, do it as unto the Lord, which means what? It is 100% is your best, is your best fruit and your first fruit. Like Abel gave his first and best of his lambs. But Cain gave not only, not only seconds, but it was ratty seconds. It wasn't his best. And that's why the word says that God had no regard or would not look upon Cain's offering, but he did have regard for Abel. So God is wanting to look down with regard on our offerings, what we lift up. And as it says in Romans 12 too, we offer our very lives, our very bodies up as spiritual sacrifices. And so when we are not at our best, we're not worshiping the Lord as best as we can. And a lot of times that happens simply because a lack of Sabbath, a lack of rest. That's my problem. So you can write that down. Without rest, we are not at our best. And you can even see that in the land. And I talked about this a little bit last week. Leviticus 25. You don't have to turn there because if you want to, you can. But look what it says. This is just real briefly what it says about resting the land. Um, Verses 2 through 7, and then I'll read 18 through 22 a little bit later. It says, When you come into the land which I shall give you, the land shall have a Sabbath To the Lord. In other words, the land is supposed to take a Sabbath. Six years you shall sow your field, and six years you shall prune your vineyards and gather its crop. But during the seventh year, the land shall have a Sabbath Sabbath rest, a Sabbath to the Lord. You shall not sow your field nor prune your vineyard. Really? Well, I mean, we're thinking, don't prune it. I mean, that goes against everything I've heard. Your harvests, uh, your harvests after growth, you shall not reap. In other words, let the fruit, uh, fruit fall to the ground. Just let it go. But that's good jelly right there, man. <laughs> Can't let that go. And your grapes of untrimmed vines you shall not gather. The land shall be a sabbatical year. All of you shall have the uh, Sabbath products of the land for food yourselves and your male and female, and we'll talk about this in a second, your hired men and your foreign residents, those who live as aliens with you, even your cattle and the animals that are in your land shall have all its crop to eat. In other words, you're going to have plenty to eat. Don't worry about it. Rest the land. Don't prune anything. Don't pull any weeds. Let the fruit that grows, it's like, oh, I want it. No, let it fall to the ground. That's hard to do, isn't it? Am I, am I right? That's hard to do. We just, we're planting an orchard right now, a little orchard. We got a bunch of fruit trees. We're hoping fruit comes up. And I tell you what, I hope it bears fruit. And if it does, in the seventh year, when you see that big old peach up on that tree and you're thirsty and hungry and you know it's, you're supposed to just let it fall to the ground, you know, I don't know how that works, but I think I would be very distraught, you know? But that is what God is saying here. And I want to read something to you, okay? So, so hone in. It's a well-known agricultural fact that resting the land every seven years is best for the soil and that crops are actually better when you do that. Restoring the land restores and revitalizes the soil. When you let the fields to go to weeds and the weeds of the field are given the opportunity, uh, I'm sorry, when you let the field go to weeds, the weeds of the field are given the opportunity to bring minerals back up to the topsoil from below and to revitalize the soil. I'm just saying. Letting the vines and trees grow free to go unpruned 
actually makes them stronger. All the fruit that fails and rots put all kinds of goodies back into the soil. When you allow the land to rest every seven years, you cut down on the need for pesticides and hermicides. I mean, even you just kind of went and thought about that for a second. What if we had more faith in the uh, the Sabbath principle and depended on God's way of uh, of protecting production? Let me read that again. What if we had more faith in the Sabbath principle and depended on God's way of protecting production instead of coming up with our own ways to keep it all going? Nope. We would rather use modern sprays, manufactured fertilizers, and end up abusing the soil and the fruit. But that's the deal. We're not walking in faith when we can't rest. When we can't rest, we're not believing, well, we're not believing the principle that God can do what He needs to do in the seven, um, in, in the six, to provide enough for that seven. That that seven does not have to, does not have anything to do with the other six, except that you give it to the Lord and you walk in a blessing. Now listen, please understand that what I'm talking about is the principle of the Sabbath, not so much the law of the Sabbath day. There's a little bit of difference. Israel, when they, when they celebrated the Sabbath, it was from uh, a few minutes before sunset on Friday evening until actually the appearance of the first three stars in the sky on Saturday night. Okay? So if we, if we were like, okay, you know, that might get kind of crazy for us. And, and plus, we don't have to. In fact, if you're familiar with Colossians chapter 2, verse 15 through 17, it says that when he had disar- uh, disarmed the rulers and authorities, talking about what Christ did on the cross, when he had disarmed the rulers and authorities, talking about demonic forces and stuff, he made a public display of the enemy, having triumphed over them through him, talking about Christ. Therefore, no one is to act as your judge in regard to things like food and drink or uh, the festivals, talking about the, the feasts of the Lord and things like that, or a new moon or a Sabbath day, things which are a mere shadow of what is to come, but the substance belonging to Christ, or belongs to Christ. In other words, the Sabbath day, one of the main things the Sabbath day did when God instituted it as a gift to us is a free picture. It's like a coupon. It was like a coupon for receiving the rest that we receive in Christ Jesus. You guys hear what I'm saying? It was a picture, a type, a shadow. It was a commandment as well, but it was a coupon. Hey, I want you to experience this now so that you will experience the full range of peace and rest when Christ comes and fulfills all things. You guys hear what I'm saying? And so you look at this, and I want you to notice it says, um, don't let anyone judge you in regard to food, drink, respective festivals, new moons, or Sabbath day. And I think what that means is, because this is New Testament here, we're, we're free from the law, but the But the Sabbath is one of the Ten Commandments. At any point do we say, I am free from the whole coveting thing. I want what everybody wants. I want your stuff, your stuff, and your stuff. (laughs) Do we do that? No, but we've kind of done that on the Sabbath, on resting. And we get wigged out and we really try to, to, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Justify our lack of rest and Sabbath by saying, oh, it's, it's legalistic to say we're supposed to rest on this day, on Sunday. And some, some denominations say it's Saturday. But that's not the point, and that's not what God did it for. 
The Sabbath was made or given to man, not the man to the Sabbath. It's a principle. And the principle is give back to me that 24 hours, that time of rest. And in that time, I can sow into you what it takes to be way more fruitful when you are working, if you'll trust me. You want this, and you think you have to work seven days to get it. But the truth is, if you'll work six, I will bless the seventh. And the, se- uh, the other six will be blessed. It's a huge principle. And man, we could talk for days on that. It's not about when. It's about why. So what I'm, I'm, not, what I'm not saying today is, if you're not resting all day on Saturday or, Saturday or on Sunday, then you are breaking the law, <laughs> the Ten Commandments. No, it's not what I'm saying. Because a Sabbath day is a day that is available to you, that you set aside, kind of like a free offering up to the Lord. When Abel said, here's my first and here's my best, okay? It doesn't have to be a Saturday. It could be any day. But there really should be a day where you say, you know what, I'm going to chill. And what that also means is that it doesn't mean is that you have to not do a single thing. It doesn't mean you have to go find a closet and, you know, it doesn't mean that at all. You know, it, it, it means you can go mow your yard. I think, right? I think it means the things that you do to bring your livelihood and to produce the provision for your family, like cease for that for one day. Get away from it physically. Get away from it mentally. Get away from it emotionally. I'm terrible at it. Aren't I, Melissa? She's like, you, you, you really aren't good at that, you know? So I'm preaching it at myself because this is what I want for myself this new year. I want, I want great soil and I want great fruit. But what I've been doing, and many of you do the same thing, is you've chosen fertilizers, pesticides, and hermicides instead of Sabbath to bring about fruit. We can't do that, can we? God wants to do something in this next year. And the thing that I think that's interesting about this is that, like I said last week, this is Soma's, we're entering Soma's seventh year. We're entering into Soma's seventh year of existence. And it's hard for me not to think that God, one, is calling us to rest in Him more intentionally as a body, individually, and as we can. You know, it doesn't mean we're not going to have church for a year. That would be weird. But you know what I'm saying? To enter into rest individually and as a church as we can. And then watch what God will do even still. Amen? My challenge is, is, is I'm going to give you three specific challenges. Some of you will not want to do this, and that's okay. Rob yourself of a blessing. Um, anyway, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> Listen, here's what I want to challenge you to, and I'm, I'm challenging myself, and this is going to be hard for me, to rest one day a week from your job, from your work. If at all possible, rest one day a week. Now, some of you, this is easier because your schedule allows for that. Okay? But don't just rest... Physically, rest mentally and emotionally. That's my problem. I can sit down, like, oh, okay, I'm sitting down, but my mind's going, am I the only one? Push yourself. You know, Scripture says it, you know, it kind of indicates that we're, we're um, 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 what, what am I trying to say? Um, mind, body, spirit. There's these three significant parts of us. And so I'm not going to preach on that, but if you can take that, if I'm mind, body, and spirit, how can I rest in those three areas? Amen. So I'm going to challenge you to rest one day a week from your job, from your work, whatever it is that brings you livelihood and provision. 
And the second thing is this. Is this. Are you ready? Go ahead and get a grimace. Get, get your grimace. Go ahead and get your grimace. You're going to need a grimace for the next two. You ready? Go to bed at a reasonable time. Melissa and I are terrible at it. Go to bed at a reasonable time. It's the same principle. If you take a week, one day out of a week, what about the time that God allows for our body? There's a natural sleep flow to our life. And most of us do not flow in that natural flow. You know, I got two hours last night. Can't believe I got that much, you know? And we expect to be at our best the next day. (laughs) I'm feeling that more as we have more kids, it's like, okay, I got to get more sleep. You're not at your, you know, when you rest, you're at your best. When you're not resting, you're not at your best. So that's my challenge, is to go to bed at a reasonable time. And, and I'll say this, I read this somewhere and I can't remember exactly, but something about when you go to bed at 10 versus 2, or even 10 versus 12, there's something that happens in our sleep patterns that actually makes you rest better. I don't know what it is. I think it's God saying, I told you so, you know, I don't know. <laughs> but there's something neuro- neurological in your brain that helps you to sleep better. Go to bed. Go to bed. Turn off Netflix and go to bed. Tony. And the third one is this. This is going to be the hardest one. Unwind before you go to bed. Unwind before you go to bed. I was going through a leadership thing, um, training. Actually, out at Team Mania one time. Um, Dave Hawes, a good friend of mine. And he was talking about, you know, being your best as a leader. And he talked about how, you know, before you go to bed, they say that you're not supposed to really do anything of huge brainiac stuff, stressors, at least two hours before you go to bed. Because what happens is it, it engage, because oh, what he's talking about is how it, it releases these adrenaline, uh, adrenaline things in you because you think you're being productive. It's like yesterday. Okay, I'll just tell you this. Can I be honest? We're running a little bit late, but I'm going to tell you this. Every year I fast the first week of the year, okay? It's because I'm extremely spiritual, okay? <laughs> so I've been fasting since last Wednesday, okay? I didn't start on the, on the first because you got to eat that stuff on the first. But I start on that, you know, the day after, okay? But yesterday I spent all day long building my chicken coop. And I tell you, whenever I started, I was just like, oh, oh. But I went all day, didn't I, babe? All day. And you know why? Because I said, I'm going to get this. I'm so ready to have my chickens. And I went all day. And you know what? I know that I was running on, on adrenaline. Why? Because I wanted to be productive. I felt like I was being productive. It's the same thing. When you are texting right before you go to bed, you're being productive. You're maintaining a friendship. You're getting a laugh. You're doing whatever it is you're doing. When you're sending emails and you're doing, even if it's to a friend, somehow in your mind, in your, our brain registers that as I'm being productive. And this adrenaline kicks in. And it's hard for you to really enter into rest. You hear what I'm saying? So those are my three challenges. I'm challenging myself with this. I'm telling you, I may, have some, I may need some serious accountability. Okay? Rest one day a week from your job. Go to bed at a reasonable time. Unwind before you go to bed and really enter into his rest. You go ahead and stand.
Do I have anyone who would contemplate accepting that challenge? I'm not saying you haven't accepted it, but I want to see your hands that you are willing to think about accepting that challenge. Is there anybody in here? That would be awesome. And let me tell you, I think there is something spiritual, uh, spiritually significant about that. I believe that if you guys will allow yourself to enter into rest, you are going to see abundance of things increase in your life. I'm not saying you're going to get rich. We don't preach that kind of gospel around here. But if you do, let me know. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Okay. Can I pray for you? Can I pray for you? Lord, I just pray right now.